I'm sorry, last time I checked, I thought we lived in a free country, so. No, we don't. No? It's the United States of, don't touch that thing right in front of you. On the third bugle blast, I shall loudly announce, Attack! <laughs> At which point, we will all jump out of this box. Right, Scott! I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw it. Dug dug, you give me gum gum. Well, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't throw anybody. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Don't call this night! I'm back. You, Sagittarius Wagon That is not my name. This town needs an enema. Who are these people? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we are creating documentary films about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective and pursuing truth above all else. I'm Amber Archer, and joining me is my husband, author, director, speaker, Mark Archer. I am the great <laughs> you can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. Are you threatening me? Wait, wait, I have oh one my goodness. Are you threatening me? <laughs> Are okay. you threatening me? Unbelievable. I am the great Cornholio. You guys, this, this is what I deal with, you guys. Every day. You're everyone's problem. <laughs> so nobody got, while, nobody got the. While, while you're away, I, I find clips and I yes. secretly load them on the buttons. Uh-huh. So last week we were doing a giveaway of um, a fearless bundle, mm-hmm. the DVDs, uh, well, a DVD of the Mind Polluters, Inwood Drive, and the Inwood Drive book. Yes. If you could get. All of the movie clips. All 12. In order. Yes. So we've had many try, but nobody's gotten it yet. Nobody's gotten it quite yet. (laughs) So so if you're interested and you want to play along and try to guess the 12 movies at the beginning of the sequence, you can... Uh, send go to fearlessfeatures.org forward slash giveaway and fill them all out. And if you get them all correct, we will send you a fearless bundle. And if you're lucky, we'll even send you a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> <laughs> not sure how well that'll hold up or if it's, you know, shippable, but we'll see. It's not. That, just kidding about the last part. Yeah. So, uh, and we have another screening coming up. Yes. Noblesville, so. Indiana. Back to Noblesville. Yes. Back to Life Church, February 16th. Doors open at 630. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Doors open at Mm 6. Movie starts at 630. So if you miss the premiere Mm -hmm. at Life Church in Noblesville, then now's your chance. Tickets are regular price $14. You can get those at Mm dysphoriamovie.com. And we would love to see you there. So um, come and hang out with us. Yeah. We will be there. (laughs) So so I have a couple of... um, Fun things to share with you, and then we've got part four. The last part. I wrap up the last part of interview with the abortionist. Um, let's start with uh, what I call some fighting words. Um, this is uh, well, we talked a little bit about Davos, right? Out in Switzerland, where Mm. the the elites, the elites of the world, they meet every year to decide how to. Manage all of the rest of us. Uh-huh. Um, and I found this uh, interesting. This is on several websites. I'm just going to read uh, right up on bizpackreview.com. Okay. Your morning cup of coffee contributes to climate change. <laughs> of course it does. Says the World Economic Forum expert. Um, wait, 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 wait. Before <clears throat> you even go on. So let's see. It's coffee. 
it's cows. We can't, you know, right. beef and is no, a big problem. Right. And, and you know, no beef. Um, what else aren't we allowed to have? Well, here, I've got an interesting clip here. This is out of order, but this is, do you know who Jane Goodall is? No. So she's, she's been around for a while. She's, um, well, she's kind of an activist. Jane Goodall, um, one of their favorite leftist Nazis to, to trot out. Here she is talking about just this very thing. Oh, okay. 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 We need to eat less meat. Oh my we gosh. Need to, to stop land being used for cattle and growing grain for the billions of animals that we keep in our intensive farms. And then finally, we cannot, we cannot hide away from human population growth. Because, you know, it underlies so many of the other problems. All these things we talk about wouldn't be a problem if there, were, if there was the size of population that there was 500 years ago. Wow, okay, so who is this lady? <laughs> what is she in charge of? Anything? She's not in charge of anything. Okay. No, she's not in charge of anything. She's. It just the, goes to show you that you can espouse anything <laughs> you want in today's society. No, no, except Christ. I, I, I want you to just think about what you just heard. This exactly. is the World Economic Forum uh-huh. giving voice to this this woman <laughs> and others here that we're gonna. Okay, this is their agenda, and and this is the uh, people. Uh, a lot of people still they're kind of living in this state of denial. Um, w- they, listen, we talked about this on the podcast with the Kellogg's yeah. boxes and the agenda yeah. 20, 2030 that they have. Yeah. And ugh. So, I mean, listen, I know it's hard to believe, but the truth is that these people, these power elites, if you will, that think that they're the masters of the universe, mm-hmm. they really believe and they are moving towards rapidly reducing the population of the earth mm-hmm. because you're the problem. You're the reason why there's climate change and everything and you're ruining their planet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate, I hate to laugh. It's so ridiculous, but they actually believe it. They actually believe it. And, <laughs> and the they're sca- actually actively moving towards. These are the people that these are. So these are the global bankers, right? The, the people like <sighs> Klaus Schwab mm-hmm. and, and, Rat Fink Larry from uh, BlackRock. Black These are the people that have the money and they start wars. Mm-hmm. George Soros, right? And the, these are so they they are not only serious about it, but they have the financial and political means to mass murder mm-hmm. people by the tens of millions. This really is what they believe. Let me get back up to the the coffee Nazi here. Okay, Let me just yeah, play yeah, this sorry, clip. Sorry, okay. So this this guy, this is um this is Swiss banker. Okay, this is a banker. Okay. <laughs> Wait, the banker's telling yes. all of us we his, can't. Drink his coffee. name is Hubert Keller. Mm-hmm. Um he is a, a so-called agenda contributor at Davos, and uh-huh. he's talking about coffee. Okay, here we go. We'll be having our coffee before the session, and, and you raised the coffee example. I'd love just to give you the chance to expand on that. Basically, the coffee that we all drink um, emits between 15 and 20 tons of CO2 per ton of coffee. So we should all know that this is every time we drink coffee, we are basically putting CO2 into the atmosphere. Um, the other, and one of the reasons is because most of the coffee plantation, or most of the coffee is produced through monoculture, and, um, and, and monoculture is also affected by climate change. Um, the quality of these nature assets is uh, deteriorating quite rapidly. Now, 
Let me let me let me just point out here. What is one of the most leftist companies in the U.S.? Are you Starbucks? Starbucks coffee. <laughs> what are you doing? Right. Pretty much every major coffee company is full blown. <laughs> Off the rails, flying the rainbow flag, leftist to the hilt. Uh, and now here's this bonehead bean counter. Uh-huh. And again, he's given a platform uh, yeah. at the World Economic Forum to talk about how coffee's bad. So no more meat, uh, no more farming, no more fishing. Oh, we'll get to her. Okay, no more coffee. Them's fighting words. You take my coffee away. <laughs> <laughs> this lady we talked about last week. This is hold on, it's really a little print. This is Jojo Meta. Okay, this is not Joe, not Jojo Siwa. <laughs> this is the other Jojo. Easy to confuse. Is that what you're saying? Or jo- what? This is Jojo the Bobo. All right. <laughs> Co-founded Stop Ecocide in 2017 alongside barrister and legal pioneer the late Polly Higgins to support the establishment of Ecocide. As a crime at the International Criminal Court. Okay. All right. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known around the world. And the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature. Um, But legally speaking, um, what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognized legally as a serious crime. Because one of the issues that sort of pervades all of this discussion is that we have a kind of cultural, very ingrained habit of not taking damage to nature as seriously as we take damage to people and property. Um, And that, I mean, you know, if you're campaigning for human rights, at least you know mass murder, torture, all of these things are serious crimes. But there's no equivalent in the environmental space. Um, And so, and, and, you know, unlike a an international crime like genocide that in, involves a specific intent. With ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do is make money, is, you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are, um, you know, producing energy and so on um, as well. But what's What's missing is the awareness and the conscience around the side effects, around the collateral damage that happens with that. What's the collateral damage of all of your lies? Everybody's, uh, I was going to say, everybody's going to hell. Isn't it fascinating how she she compares compares it to genocide, which is what Jane Goodall was just talking about is good for us basically we need to eliminate the the population population. that's called genocide jane oh my freaking lunatics they and i (sighs) and these are the people who and i i was listening to someone uh in interview somebody that was there and they were describing the uh the amount of air traffic around davos when Mm -hmm. this goes on a hunt this this little airport that services Davos, Switzerland. Okay, a hundred and fifty flights per day. Oh my word! Per day. But, but <laughs> for like two weeks. Not, but they're not the criminals. They're here. not the criminals. It's so important that they fly in on their private jets uh-huh. and then take their limos, or some of them go come in on their private jets and then they chopper from the from the airport into this little Swiss but, but village. But they're not adding to you. They they're not pass. the problem. They, they need a pass because they are the enlightened ones. Exactly. And, and you need to just 
Stop drinking coffee. Stop eating meat. Stop farming. Don't stop fish. fishing. <laughs> Don't right. plant your grain. Take, take the shot and stop all this nonsensical <laughs> free speech. don't question anything. Don't question, simply obey. Uh-huh. Because you don't have any rights. Oh, my word. Right? Oh, oh well, that's what I did. I'm glad you just said that because I, <laughs> as I was listening to her and notice how she said legally through law. Right. I cannot stress enough to people, please pay attention to who you're voting for. Yes. how do laws get passed? Yes. Yes, thank you. And speaking of not having rights, uh-huh. our old buddy Yuval Noah Harari oh, is no. back. <laughs> if you guys have seen Dysphoria, you know, <laughs> you know you know who Yuval is. And if you haven't seen Dysphoria, well, you should come out to Noblesville, Indiana, February 16th. Hey, and we do have some screenings in the works. We do have West. some others pending, it, yes. yes. But um, right now, that's the one on the calendar. Uh-huh. Let's hear a little bit from Yuval. He's, okay. he's going to talk to us about rights. Okay. Many, maybe most legal systems are based on this idea, this belief in human rights. But human rights are just like heaven and like God. It's just a fictional story that we've invented and spread around. It may be a very nice story. It may be a very attractive story. We want to believe it. But it's just a story. It's not a reality. It is not a biological reality. Just as jellyfish and woodpeckers and ostriches have no rights, homo sapiens have no rights also. Take a human, cut him open, look inside, you find their blood and you find the heart and lungs and kidneys, but you don't find there any rights. The only place you find rights is in the fictional stories that humans have invented and spread around. And the same thing is also true in the political field. States and nations are also like human rights and like God and like heaven. They too are are, are just stories. A mountain is a reality. You can see it, you can touch it, you can even smell it. But Israel or the United States, they are just stories, very powerful stories Stories we might want to believe very much, but still they are just stories. You can't really see the United States. You cannot touch it. You cannot smell it. <laughs> what? Uh, again, you wow. know, speaking of intersectionality. Oh, here right? we go. Okay. Because he's intersected a few uh, sacred cows here. <laughs> he was saying that uh, that these animals don't have rights, but... PETA disagrees. In fact, uh-huh. the the animal rights activists. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you listen to people like Jane Goodall, uh-huh. she'll tell you that the animals have just as many rights as we do. And what about the freaky lady with the eco side? Yeah, yeah. I mean, those trees have more rights than we do. Right. Those mountains that he's talking. About. So, do, do what about the bugs that we're supposed to eat? Do they have rights? Oh yeah. I mean, stop bug aside. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's just endless it, uh, and and wow how amazing that in his mind he has equated so many things with heaven mm-hmm. and god yeah he, did, you, did you did you catch that and you notice who he picks on israel and the united states yeah 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 and listen i mean we've talked extensively about end times prophecy right the truth is that there's a lot of people that when they study end times prophecy and they think that it's 
well, this is talking about America, blah, blah, blah. No. Nope. It's not about America. It's about the church, and then it's about Israel. Mm -hmm. And that's it. America is not in there. That doesn't mean that, Amer that America doesn't exist, but it is just not in the story, right? And I think... The, the, what, yeah, are you talking about the man-made story made up in the Bible? Right, the man-made story <laughs> made, made up in the Bible. That guy. Incidentally, wow. this is Noah Yuval Harari, who, if you watch... Um, I mean, you can find the clip on YouTube, but if you watch Dysphoria, we've got a clip in there of him talking about how AI mm -hmm. is going to rewrite the Bible, and then we'll have a religion that's correct. Uh-huh. Right? Mm -hmm. So. Are you threatening me? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just... Yep, I can. Okay, go ahead. So... Um, I, I, in listening to his argument about, well, if you cut somebody open, you don't see rights in there. Yeah, I had no it's idea what like he was even talking about. What an idiot. It's like listening to a nine-year-old. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's no such thing as rights. I can't, I can't touch them or feel them. Really? Do we have to go back to, you know, what's the... Because then he goes and he says, oh, it's just, it's just an idea. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, if ideas aren't real... Right. Because you just said rights are just nothing but ideas. Mm -hmm. They're not real. Yet now you're saying, well, well, nations but his, and his ideas are real. Right. And nations and states, they're just ideas. Well, but if ideas aren't real, then those nations and states can't actually exist, mm -hmm. which is what he thinks he's trying to say. Mm -hmm. But he's not saying anything at all. Mm -hmm. He's just. I am the great Cornholio. That's what he reminds me of. <laughs> he's just. He might as well pull his shirt over his head and just. <laughs> I am the great Cornholio. He's just amazing. Uh huh. Yes. So that's what's happening in the world. Uh, that's all. <laughs> that, that's all. Speaking. Well, that was a good lead up to here before we go to break. Or when we come back, we're going to hear. Part four mm -hmm. of interview with the abortionist. Now you get to hear from George mm -hmm. again, and and somebody else gets to come into the conversation. My honey. Oh, <laughs> hey, I was polite. You were polite, as he, I could be. He, he was asking for it though. Uh huh. So um, this is uh, yeah the last part of interview with the abortionist, and just speaking of this mindset that people don't have any rights. And mm. this is what you're hearing from George. Oh, they don't have rights because mm -hmm. he's redefined everything. Mm -hmm. All right. So anyway, we will BRB and listen to part four. I had a lot of righteous anger. Um, it's very concerning that there's so many lukewarm people out there that don't even know that this is a topic of discussion. Well, this is the second time I've seen it. Um, the first time I was more shocked and angry and scared, I guess, for the kids. Um, this time I heard the call to action much stronger, and so that's why I'm speaking up now. I had no idea that Antifa is now going after this area. No clue about that until those women, those parents were interviewed and how Antifa is, now I understand, that, that's the connecting the dots. Dysphoria makes the case. It lays out the, the issues, it lays out the concerns, and it even gives us a roadmap of the ways that we can combat this. Uh, so it's imperative that we make sure that everybody that we know gets to know about this movie, uh, gets to understand about it, and uh, we really need to spread the word as, as best we can. So who needs to see this film? Um, anybody that has 
breeds air. Um, and in reality, it's going to be anybody who's a grandparent, anybody who's a parent, anybody who's thinking to have a child. Um, I would say anybody that can have the opportunity to go out and, and have action to, to save our children in any capacity. Get your tickets at dysphoriamovie.com. So part four here of interview with the abortionist. Uh, this is the final piece of this puzzle. So let's give a listen. Interview with the abortionist part four. George was starting to get agitated with both of us. We both sat and let him talk for a good 25 minutes straight, only interrupting him from time to time to ask questions for clarification. We hadn't yet really started to debate him on things. That really wasn't our intent. Our intent when we came in was to try to understand his story and background, then ask him tough questions in a fair but direct manner. It didn't take long, though, before we both started interrupting him regularly to challenge him on his divergence from reality. Trying to justify his argument that life only begins when a baby can be born and survive on his or her own outside the mother's womb, George strolled right into the line of fire from Amber. Life does not begin at conception. A fertilized egg in a test tube is not a life. It's a fertilized egg in a test tube. My body is not a test tube. Amber slapped the table and leaned in. George recoiled and collected himself. I understand that, but you're saying <laughs> life begins at conception. And if I take an egg and put a sperm in a test tube and, and, and the sperm fertilizes the egg, it's not a life. George slapped the table as he raised his voice even further. Amber came right back at him. You know, as a doctor, that women's bodies are designed that way to carry these children. To, to, to let the fertilized egg develop in your uterus, to become a fetus. And to then become to be, a child. To become a child. And right. then to be Thank born. You. Yes. And, and, and the point is, at conception, until a fetus is viable outside the uterus, in my book, in that's not book. a life. I was still watching in amazement as my beautiful bride not only faced off with George, but fired right back at him in rapid succession. I honestly don't think he had any idea what to make of her. Amber stared him down for a moment. Do you believe yeah, 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 what, yeah, yeah. do you believe that what you what you've done is right? Do you believe it in your I, heart? In the I, hardest, yes. I gave the women. I gave, I gave the women the choice to make a to make the choice whether to choose to have an abortion or whether to have the child. Mm -hmm. Okay, whether it's the right choice or the wrong choice. Have you asked know. for forgiveness for for killing children? Have you asked for forgiveness no, for killing I for I a sin? Kill children. You you don't. No, your, your, your conception and my conception when life begins is different. You know that in the womb and in the mother's body that it's a baby. No, it's a fetus. And in that moment, I pondered the gravity of what I had just heard. I, I came into this conversation expecting a discussion of logic. And instead, what I was hearing was a game of semantics. Semantics, right? It's very simple. Change the words. Call it something else. Redefine the terminology. It's not a baby, it's a fetus. There, now we can feel better about removing that unwanted growth, that fetus, and moving on with our lives. See how easy that was? But Amber didn't come in to debate semantics. She came in to share the gospel with George. She looked straight at him. The Lord is so forgiving to all of us. 
when we get to heaven, in which is Joseph Stalin, Uncle Adolf, and Mussolini. Well, I doubt that they'll be there. Oh, (laughs) you're making a judgment. Well, the Lord is forgiving. (laughs) That's right. The Lord is forgiving for those who call on him. Uh, and, And then the bottom line is... All, we all in life make a choice. George laughed and looked over at me. I leaned back in my chair to avoid being struck by lightning as this man openly mocked God. Amber didn't let up on him. George hadn't budged even a millimeter in this conversation. He didn't kill children. He just removed unwanted fetuses. And that is all there is to justification in the mind of an abortionist, to taking the life of a child in the womb. See, in George's mind, it is settled fact that life only begins when the baby is born or when it is able to survive outside the womb on its own. We're at 24 weeks, uh, or was it 20? Uh, But that answer depends on which time period of justification we're talking about because it has shifted. And therein lies the problem the shifting sands of the argument. The abortionist, just the same as any other humanist, lives by a set of non-specific, ever-shifting non-absolutes. Whenever the equation comes out to an answer they don't like, they simply plug in new variables into the equation until they achieve the outcome they desire. The biggest problem with this is that it forces one to completely detach from all absolutes, which is what George did a long time ago. From denial of God to a denial of God's absolutes to a denial of science to a denial of reality, there is no way to argue with a man whose absolutes don't exist. As we wrapped up our conversation with George that morning, he shook our hands and showed us the door, even walking us outside to our car. If it weren't for the fact that we had just been debating his justification for being an abortionist for 40 years, I would almost have said it was a pleasant ending to a strange and strained conversation. I couldn't help but wonder just what he was feeling after having been challenged for over an hour. In the car and halfway down the block, we both felt ourselves start to finally break the tension that had unknowingly gripped us both through the entire meeting. As we drove back to pick up our youngest child, Caitlin, who had literally been born just a few months earlier, I felt a strange sadness coming over me for George. See, we later confirmed his age to see if he could indeed have lived through the Dresden bombings. It checks out. And I think that makes me the most sad for him. Maybe it's the lifelong symptoms of PTSD. Maybe he had a terrible home life. Whatever it was, or maybe a combination of things, it made that young boy grow up to be a man who had a big dead spot inside. Unable to see the Lord's creation for what it truly is, he sank further and further into a world that destroyed his soul and never let him out of its grasp. And for that young boy, I feel empathy. As we told people over the next few days and weeks about our conversation with George, we repeated one thing above all else. We've asked people to please pray for George and others like him. I am grateful that he had been stopped from his awful practice, but I hurt for the man who had been destroyed by the murderous work he's done his entire life. What hope is there for an ex-abortionist who has been abandoned by all, no longer useful to the abortion industry? Why would they even have anything else to do with him? I pondered for weeks after our meeting why on earth George would still come every week to his clinic, only to turn around the next morning to go home again. There were many possibilities I've envisioned, but one thing is for certain. George was lonely. We could tell that just by how much he was willing to talk with us, and loneliness is something that I certainly can understand. So I prayed even more for George, that hopefully one day he would remember that the Lord is forgiving, even to a repentant abortionist. 
Thank you for your time, sir. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. So, do you have a baby boy? Or baby we had. We have three girls. Oh, three girls. <laughs> oh, wow. We lost two, but have our three girls. Okay, good. <laughs> that, that's fine. Yeah. You know, okay. The Lord has a plan for us all. <laughs> My oldest brother, he was always the boss, and. I was the worst child of all seven because uh, when I came home, my mother used to beat the on me. And then my dad, when he came home from work, I did get a second helping. <laughs> so, but no, 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 no. You know what about life? When you get older, you look back and you can enjoy the good and the bad. So, <clears throat> it's a hard story to listen to. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, so when I wrote that, we were still doing the film and he hadn't died yet and they hadn't found all the babies. Mm -hmm. So now after the fact, you know, um, of course, there's no point in praying for him anymore because he made his decision. I don't know. We don't know if he came to Christ or not. Nope, we don't know. Uh, Last reports were that um, he died in his home on his stairs. Yeah. So... um, yeah, we we just have no idea, um, but when we would talk to people about how we had gone in and talked to him, um, people were still kind of shocked that mm-hmm. we even bothered to listen to him. And I, you know, I repeat all the way through this, and I say it again: it, the point of it wasn't to let him quote have his have his say mm-hmm. but on the other hand it was because pe- people would say why are you even letting him speak and i would say the more you let him speak the worse it's going to get mm-hmm. you know trust me i mean that's where you you can't do a story about somebody and not try to hear from them mm-hmm. it's just not it's not an honest story so uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch inwood drive you can stream it on uh, our website, mm-hmm. fearlessfeatures.org. You can uh, stream it on Amazon. Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's rentable on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also on Salem Now. Mm-hmm. So uh, Inwood Drive was our first title. It's, uh, it's all about the demise of George Klopfer and his abortion business. And uh, it's very. It is. A, it's a hard story, but it is inspirational. I think at the core because it shows shows you how it can be done. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Anyway, so on that note, um, I guess we'll wrap it up. Yeah, that's all the time we have for today, friends. Thank you so much for listening through to the end, and be sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And share this with your friends and family. Until next time, march on, saints, and be filled with the spirit. Are you threatening me? I am the great quarter of you. <laughs>